Our scripture reading this morning is from the Hebrew scriptures in the Common English Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in God. My strength rises up in God. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like God. No, no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't go on and on talking so proudly, spouting arrogance from your mouth, because God is the God who knows and weighs every act. The bows of mighty warriors are shattered, but those who were stumbling now dress themselves in power. Those who were filled full now sell themselves for bread, but the ones who were starving are now fat from food. The woman who was barren has birthed seven children, but the mother with many sons has lost them all. O oh God. God brings death, gives life, takes down to the grave and raises up. O oh God, God makes poor, gives wealth, brings low, but also lifts up high. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with the officials, gives them the seat of honor, the pillars of the earth belong to God. God sets the world on top of them. God guards the feet of the faithful ones, but the wicked die in darkness because no one succeeds by strength alone. O oh God. God's enemies are terrified. God thunders against them from heaven. God judges the far corners of the earth. May God give strength to God's rulers and raise high the strength of the anointed one. The word of God for the people of God. All right, all. Well, um, it's good to be with you. Um, I'm going to stop sharing and you'll just get my not so pretty face, but you get the sanctuary and uh, we'll see you all. So uh, the view are in the sanctuary when this is happening in hybrid, it's going to be a little odd because I'll be standing here and then you get two big Bruce heads uh, on the screens up there when you'll get to see. But it is good to be with you. Let's, uh, before we uh, jump into this passage, let's begin with the word of prayer. Let us pray. Holy gracious God, for the spirit that continues to be in this place, the spirit that joins us one to another in miraculous ways for the spirit that allows us to adapt and shift and change even when we may not want to or expect to we ask O oh god that you would continue to open up our hearts our minds and our souls to be faithful servants of you may that same spirit guide the words of my mouth the meditations of all of our hearts so they're acceptable to you we pray all this in the name of christ and god's people say amen all right you all uh adapting is just part of life these days, right? So we're always trying to figure things out. And, um, you know, if we haven't learned anything about pandemic is that 
we're going to be okay. That there's a lot of things that go on that I know that we're not always acting in our best, uh, the best personhood or our best selves. And uh, I don't know about you, but as you, know, you get cranky or hungry or whatever, even those closest to you, um, sometimes we don't like each other very much. And but we're going to be okay. It's an amazing thing. Yesterday, I was in North Carolina at a friend's uh, wife's funeral. Some of you, I lifted it up in prayer yesterday. Molly Lowry died um, two weeks ago. Uh, she went to the hospital the same time I did uh, with COVID and did not get to come home. Her husband, Gerard, who's a good friend of mine, uh, he preached the sermon at her memorial yesterday. And most of us were like, I don't know how you're going to do it. And man, I haven't heard a better sermon about death in a long time. I wish I could just play it for you today. At the end of the sermon, he said to us, he said, if, if Molly's now okay, we're all going to be okay. And it was a celebration of life, a witness to the resurrection. There was grief, there were tears, there was a lot of laughter. There was a reaffirmation of a community that was going to care for her kids one of our good friends, Amy Kim, who you, some of you have met, who she's been in this place, got up yesterday and looked at uh, Caleb and Marcus and, and Corinne and said, this family around you, we're a lot. And that's what you need. I think about that as I think about the ways that we are moving through our days these days and grief and uh, struggle and all the things of the world that give us great reason to be tired, to doubt the future. When I talk with my kids now about the future of the world, it's not optimistic. It's when we talk about work or where we're going to live or those kinds of things, there's a real sense of doom, and I don't blame them for it. But it's interesting when I think about that in the terms of this passage that we heard. So many of you have heard about Hannah, right? Hannah uh, Barron and all those lots of uh, issues to think about. Um, and birth uh, Samuel, Saul. Um, some of you know, if you're, if you're up on your Hebrew, Saul came from Shaul, which means it lent, right? So there's this waiting that happened. And, um, you know, Hannah had wanted to birth a son and finally it happened. I think the danger of this passage is often that the ultimate um, answer to not being able to have children is to have children. And so we have to be careful about going down that path with this. Where I want to sit with this passage is in Hannah's grief. Because I think too often what happens when we hear about grieving or lamenting or despair, we simply want to find out what's at the end. Like what's the, what's the ending that tells us that, yes, we believe that God promises new life and we're a resurrection people, but out of the grief and the ending, what give, get us to the good part. I don't want to stick in the grieving. I don't want to stick in that part that, where we feel like we're disconnected to God or we're tired or we're despairing. I don't want to stay in that. I want to move on to the next place. I think that's a danger for us as a culture, as a church, as a community, as individuals, because if there's any time in any of our collective lives, we should be grieving. We should be understanding that the last 18 months 
no matter how you've been impacted, have taken a toll on who we are. I don't know how many conversations I've had with you all and others, and I've kind of said, man, I'm tired. And the first reaction is, well, you have every right to be tired. My grandmother died of COVID in December. We're coming up on a year now of that. Um, you know, trying to uh, uh, herd cats and hang out with church and figure out what we do as a community, trying to navigate this space, walking with some of you through some really difficult things, having to do all of this remotely, having to you know, work with young adults, kids in school and not in school, all those things. And then lo and behold, I get COVID and I'm in the hospital. And so the response is, is genuinely, oh, Bruce, you have every right to be tired. And I'm going to claim that right. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, like just, you know, just say, gosh, how terrible it is for me. But I think the danger is that when we say that, when you say that to me, it's almost as if you don't have a right to be tired, to be worn, to be grieving. Because you do. I think one of the dangers of a community like ours that sits in relative privilege, right, that for the, for the most part, not everybody in this community. For the most part, we have not been impacted in the way we've seen in the news for the year of racial reckoning that's happened to our country. It hasn't impacted us in the same way we see others. When we look at refugee status, we look at the border, we look at how um, LGBTQIA people have been affected all over. We look at all of these things. I think one of the dangers in, in trying to acknowledge the privilege we have in the world and in our life is to fall into this idea, well, it's so much worse for others, how could I possibly acknowledge the grief in my own life? And I think that's a danger because that grief, that tiredness, that for some who are calling it PTSD, for that trauma, whatever it is, it has impacted all of us. And so, yes, it may be different for those of us in this area or many of you who are living in a particular style or life stage, whatever it is. It may be different than other people, but the trauma of these last 18 months is still lives with us. And then part of the problem is we want to know what's the end. We hear this Hannah story, right? We hear this grieving and prayer and lament, and we know what's coming up that God has said to Hannah, look, even out of the despair, you have a son. And we focus on, gosh, look at how God just answers this. But again, I think too quickly we move from deeply understanding what it means to grieve and lament and to really sit in sorrow. American culture wants us to move on so quickly. The news cycle has us move on so quickly that I actually think a prophetic and rebellious act for any community and any person in today's day and age of things moving so quickly, including grief, is to simply claim a space to be still. Claim the space to own the grief and understand it, to embody it in a way that doesn't dismiss it. As we move forward as a community, as we continue to think about who we are to be, we will not be a community that's thriving and healthy and um, all of the things we want to express into the world if we're not able to be ones that acknowledge how difficult the last 18 months have been. If we can't acknowledge even how difficult the last maybe five or 10 years have been, if we can't acknowledge all of the things that, that sneak up on us because we haven't taken time to heal, if we don't do that, 
then we're only going to set ourselves up for failure in the future. I know we want to just keep moving into what's next. We want to manage our way into what's happening. We want to plan. We want to know that at the end of this day, at the end of whatever we're doing, there is good news that we're guaranteed and we're going to see. But this is the deal. Hannah had no guarantees. In Hannah's grief, Hannah simply offered that grief. And then God moved in ways that were revealed to Hannah. Hannah didn't say, I'm grieving, I'm grieving, and the only way I'm going to trust you, God, is if you provide this one thing that I want. There was no guarantee. There was no measurement of a return on investment. There was no strategic plan. It was Hannah laying her grief and her lament out to God and trusting that God was with her. Now, I know this is difficult for us. We all want to plan. We all want to know. I'm the worst at our house, right? I will walk into a room, and we're about to do something, and I'm like, what's the plan? And eyes roll from my kids and Robin. I mean, it's just like, there is no plan. We're just going to do stuff. And I'm like, no, there's got to be a plan. Because how do we know timing if we don't know plans? How do we know? You know, now I have an electric car so I can be smug. How are we going to know when we charge? If there's no plan, like I want to know exactly what's going to happen. And not only that, I want to know exactly what's going to happen at the end if we follow all these steps. I know some people think I'm really lax and casual sometimes. I am not. Because I too, I want to have a guarantee at the end of this. I don't want to just simply trust. But that's what we're called to do as individuals and as a community and as a church. It's even harder to do. Because we've been through things together. You all have been through things together. And so you've been through plans and you've been through disappointment. You've been through celebration. You've been through all of the the realities of the rhythms and life of congregational life. And so when you begin to think about our future, some of you want to plan. Others like, well, just wing it. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And I think what we have to do, though, and sometimes is just simply be and simply trust and simply listen for the ways in which God may lead us. Now, this is not a call to be irresponsible. This is not a call not to have conversations and make good decisions and make wise choices. But it is a call for us not to place conditions on God. Not to, out of this time, tell God what is going to happen. We allow ourselves to dream. We allow ourselves to absorb what God may be speaking into this space. And then God reveals the plans before us. But before we even get to that, I really do hope that we can lament a little bit, that we can sit in grief, that you can acknowledge, even the most brave of you, even those of you that I know somewhere in your head are like, we just got to suck it up and move forward. Some of you who may think, gosh, this really hasn't been that difficult of a time. Everybody, everyone has been traumatized by these past 18 months. If we can't acknowledge that, we're going to set ourselves up for failure. Because those things, that hurt, that struggle, those will poke out in ways and, re- and you'll respond to things in ways you don't even know where it's come from, but it has come from a time of not addressing struggle and pain in our lives. Now, if it slows us down, it slows us down. If it brings up things that we don't want to talk about and we've avoiding, then it brings up things that we haven't wanted to talk about and we've been avoiding. But I do truly, truly believe that when we lay that grief before God, God's plans become so much more real and so much more bountiful and so much more beautiful 
because God has done that and not us. So as you wander your day, as you go through your daily walk and your your daily things, your daily plan, and you feel that thing, that poke that says you're tired, that something's not quite right, that maybe you're struggling, don't push it down. Just offer it to God in whatever way you may feel like that is needed. Whether it's calling me or calling one of the prayer team, whether it's a friend, whoever it may be, whatever, however you may do it, don't think that if your life hasn't been as bad as someone else that you have no right to grieve. Don't think that just because you may sit in a particular life stage or space of privilege that you have no right to grieve because this has impacted us all. Hannah's prayer reminds us that God is the one who gives life, death, that God is the one who actually reveals our future. God is the one that if God intends it to be so, in the ways that God wants, there is new life and there's amazing abundance in our future. But don't jump there too quickly. Tend to the tender spots in your heart. Tend to the tender spots in your soul. Because only then we'll be ready to welcome in God's promises for us. Let us pray. Holy gracious God, for the spirit that continues to nurture and care for us, the spirit that moves us, the spirit that sits with us in our grief and pain, let us not ignore that. Let us embrace it in a way that allows us to move towards places of healing so that we as a community, as a culture, and as a world may experience new life. God, we thank you for this community and all that it bring, has brought and brings into this space. May we honor that. May we worship you in all that we do, and may we live in the world as just and loving people. We pray all this in the name of Christ, and God's people say, amen.